to share something about giving. I've been preaching on giving and uh, receiving from the Lord uh, the uh, wealth in the covenant that God is giving to us. Uh, there, are, there is a couple in Georgia. Uh, I call them Mama and Papa. I took Mama with me and Papa to Nigeria when Papa was 80 years old. Now, to be 80 years old in Nigeria, that's old, you know. And when I told them the 80 years old man is coming to preach, they said, do you want to kill him? I said, no. He said, he's tough. He's still driving. He's about 87 now. And uh, I told them what we were doing in Nigeria, building uh, uh, a church there. And they said, we'll help you. And they passed out the word to everybody with the pictures that we saw in the sanctuary. And we've been receiving money ever since. Uh, money's been coming from Georgia to help us to build that church in Nigeria. But they sent $1,000 this past Sunday we got in from their retirement fund. $1,000. We got it. Irina and Pastor Andy told me about it on Sunday night, and I was rejoicing. And so I called them, and uh, I got Papa. He's 87 years. I said, thank you, Papa, for sending. I called him Papa. Now, uh, he's 80 years old. In my country, if I call him Brother Drury, like I used to, they'll kill me. I'm, I'm telling you, they just would not tolerate that. You're rude. You call him Brother Drury. That's not your brother. That's Papa. So when he was there in Nigeria, everybody called him Papa. So I joined them quickly. You had to be smart. Here, he called Brother Drury. So I started calling him Papa and his wife, Mama, and I stayed with it. That's the way we do it over there. But uh, he said... Brother, uh, good luck, you won't believe this. He says, one, as soon as we send that check out, money's been coming from everywhere, from unexpected areas. Money just keep coming, and we've been going to the bank. He says, God has blessed us more, and uh, they are happy to be a part of this, and they are truly a part of this. They went with me to work in Nigeria before we started the Ark Fellowship, and I'm very grateful to God for their lives. When you give, you receive. It's never lost. And, um, but I also mentioned to us in the message, I'm not, I'm not able to do it this coming Sunday, I'll be gone, that we should ask for our inheritance. Ask. Just ask the Lord. And I was sharing with Pastor Wendy, I don't talk to her, I really talk to nobody, but I ask God for our church funds because we've been spending a lot of money. I asked God the week before this uh, last Sunday, the other Sunday, I told God I wanted a very specific amount. And guess what came in? A little over it. So I went back to God and I told him I need the same amount. And that's pretty stretching it. In my mind, it's like, Whoa, this is crazy. That's, I'm not talking about small money. Irina is back there shaking her head. But I wanted exactly the same amount. And guess what? Exactly the same amount, a few hundred dollars above. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. What I'm trying to say is God is faithful. I don't know who is going to come to the church. I don't know who is giving the tithe or anything. I have no clue, but I know who to go to. And this is his work. He's going to supply the needs here. And I can be specific about what I want from him and hold on to it. 
So we're not just preaching message. I don't like that. And I was telling my children, I don't like all the shouting and all of that. That's great. I love it. They can, but if you're not giving me something I can apply, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be emotionally stimulated in a service, and I went home with nothing, just feeling good. I don't just want good feelings. I want something that I can take for my life. I want you to challenge me to believe God for something. Take me a little higher so that I can trust God for something in my life. That's what I want. That's what all Christianity is all about. Give me something that will help me trust God for my future. That's what this is all about. It's all about faith. You can never rely on anyone. After, you know, you think this person is going to be there for you, they'll fail you. It's always happened. So I've learned my lesson, just don't go there. I just stay with him. Now I can be looking to you, but I really I'm not. I'm looking to him. So if you fail, it doesn't bother me. Because every one of us, we're all humans. We all have needs. We all have needs. We're all in this together. I'm practicing what the Lord is showing to me. And I need to prove that God is faithful. And like I said, you have to constantly remind yourself, God is. No matter what's happening to you, no matter what's coming at you, and you're a little nervous, just remind yourself, God is. People will talk, they will favor you one day, tomorrow they're against you. You can't pay attention to people because if you do, what you'll be doing is judging them and feeling bad and wanting, having this, struggling with these feelings of revenge and all of that. That's because you're looking to humans. But when you take your mind off them, they can be for you today, or against you today. But if when they see God moving in your life, guess what? They will change their mind and they come. You have felt one way or the other. You haven't felt that, but you've just been focused. So when they come back, you're ready to embrace them. No big deal. Because you were not looking to them. And they judge them based on what they can see. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know you do. They're judging by what they can see. So they can make their own judgment based on what, you, what they can see. But you, as a Christian, you can see beyond what they can see. <laughs> With the spirit's eyes. So you see and look into the future what you want. They're judging with what they know, and you are spiritual. You don't have to bother with them. And you don't have to feel one way or the other with what's going on. They are right according to what they know. But you are also right according to the truth that you know. Stay with the truth. Because if there is a God, and God is, God will come through. He'll come through for, your, for us. That's what this is all about. That has to do with the way we live. You're struggling with things in your life, addiction. or You can't help yourself. I can't. Maybe you have a secret where you can help yourself. I don't know it. Even to live the Christian life and to live a pure life, you can't do it. I have to go to Him. You have to show me how, reveal to me, and show me how I can be free. You help me. Now, according to David, when, he, when I have been helped, and now I know the road. I know the way. I can help my brother. It's, that's what Christianity is all about. It's not, I'm going to be good before God, so I can have a, I have a relationship with him. He loves me. I just want to know him better. And I want to live for him. So you don't have one bad feeling, good feeling. It just don't, it doesn't work that way. You have to stay steady. 
But my joy as a Christian is always been to prove to myself, not to anybody, that God is. That I can trust his word. You know, if I can, if, if he's done it in my life, he can do it in somebody else's life. And I know I am just like everybody else. And we're all going through the same struggle. And I'm still trying to understand certain things. But I can only gain understanding from him. And we're all together in this. And that's the way it is. You got your place, I have my place. And we're all working together for the Lord. And so we learn from what he has given to us. And we continue to go. And what the things that I've learned since this work began or since I went into the ministry is just this. I don't have to fear anything. I just don't have to be afraid of anything. I don't understand why some things are difficult. He knows the future. I just walk easy. Just keep going because he knows what he's doing. He may be trying to protect me from something and I want to do something. I don't know. So walk daily, no anxiety. Sometimes what people say may make you be, uh, to become anxious. And sometimes what you're thinking is, well, let me do, let this happen so that <laughs> I don't care what they think because that's what's driving us. And when that's driving people, then you miss God completely. I want, to be, I want him to be in, in front of me. Let me follow him, not how people feel. And the timing for people, God has his appointed time for everything. So when you believe in God, it's not yet happened. Don't run ahead of him. Try to make it happen. Stay with him and stay with your feet. It will happen. And when it happens, it will happen at the very right time, the best time for your life. Because there is a God, especially when you're trusting him. Now when you go your own way, you find out you've really wasted time. And sometimes those things that have happened while you're taking the detour is going to come and hurt you in the future. And hurt what God has really planned for you. Remember Abraham and Sarah? Ishmael? They were going to help God get it done in time. And then look at what we got today. Because of that little detour that they took. God didn't condemn them for it. Took care of Ishmael and the mother. But look at what we're suffering from that today. So we really need to wait on God. Tonight I want to continue and finish the message I started the other Wednesday uh, about faith. That your faith fail not. You know, your faith can fail. And really, that's what Satan is all about. I'm going to pray and instruct. I need to do that. Acknowledge his presence. Father, I thank you. We know you're here with us tonight, and I just want you to speak to us. I want you, Lord God, to teach us, teach me, teach your people, so that we can grow in wisdom and in our knowledge of our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Really, Satan doesn't care whether you live or die. <laughs> there is only one thing in you that concerns him. There's only one thing that in your life that's a threat, a threat to him. And everything that's happening to you and to me is born out of this one thing. There's only one thing that Satan wants to steal from your life. Because if he can steal this from you, he's got opportunity uh, to kill you. 
to, to steal from you, to, to destroy and to kill you. And this has to do with your faith. I know this because Satan went after Peter. He was the leader of the apostles. He went after Peter hard. He wanted to take him out. Jesus made it clear to Peter. He said, look, Satan wanted, wants to, he actually asked, just like he did for Job. He asked, and he wants to sift you as wheat. He said, he wants to destroy you totally. But Jesus said, but I prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So the concern that Jesus had for Peter was not what was going to happen to him. His denial of the Lord Jesus, his main concern and his prayer, his crying out to his father for Peter was based on just this one thing, that your faith will not fail. Your faith fail not. So that's the most important thing. That's what Satan wants from you, so that your faith will fail. When he comes against you with all kinds of difficulties, problems, unemployment, your kids, your husband, your wife, whatever it is, your finances, all he's after is for your faith to fail. Even with sin, all he's wanting to get at is your faith. When you sin, now he tells you, God is not going to listen to you anymore. I mean, you have no faith anymore. Why should he listen to you? Why should he answer your prayer? Why should he even care for you? Why should he care for your kids? So he's after your faith. He, he's the one that engineered the, the failure in your life, the sin. And then after you sin, he tells you, God has not, wants nothing to do with you anymore. And what is he really after? Your faith. Now he knows if you come confess your sins and you repent God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness but he doesn't want you to believe that he doesn't even want you to see that he wants you to focus on what you've done wrong because if he can keep you there you can never trust God you can't trust God for your healing when you've done something wrong he said why should he heal me I just offended him what is he after Your, your faith that's what Satan is after so Jesus said to Peter, he wants to sift you as we. But I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And he said, when, when you have returned to me, that's a good word. When you have returned to me, then I want you to help your brother. So when your faith fails, you turn away from him. You begin to walk away from him. So I prayed so that your faith will not fail. And when you return to me, then... I can do this. You can now begin to help your brother. So he's really after one thing in my life, and that's our faith. And so Paul tells us in Second Corinthians 2 verse 11, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So everything that he's doing is to take advantage of you. And if you are ignorant of his devices, then you will allow him. He really can't do anything about you. He has a lot of devices out there to make you lose your faith in God. To make you trust God less. To make you look at the circumstances, blame somebody, get angry, get bitter, refuse to forgive so that he takes you out. These are his devices to get you out of faith. And that's what he wants to do for you against our lives. So we are not unaware of his devices. And uh, we need to realize 
that there are certain things that the, the enemy wants to do in our lives, his strategies, so we are not aware, unaware of his devices, we are not ignorant of them. And so you know some of his devices, and many Christians don't know this. One of the greatest ones that he uses, is, I said it the last time, is the lack of fellowship with God and with man. You know, in the Bible tells us, and you can read through the New Testament, on the Lord's day, the believers gathered. And the Bible also tells us that in um, Hebrews chapter 10, I believe verse 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some years. You know, in other words, God is saying, don't do this type of thing. It's going to affect your life. These things are so important. Some Christians are nonchalant about it. You just you don't think too much about it. It will affect your Christian life as well. There's no doubt about it. You see, when you ignore a part of God's word, you've ignored Jesus. He is the word. If he doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't matter to you, God understands. Not when God is giving you specific instruction. He doesn't understand if you do. That's disobedience. So a lot of Christians do this, and it's frightening to me. I just don't understand it. I, it's very difficult. You can't say much. And uh, the thing that I always think about, it's not like we want you to be in church all the time. I, don't, I know you got, you got things to do. And I've been there, I've been in the workplace as well. Unless there is a real tough time, I'm going to be in church. It's always been since 1975. It's just part of me. There is, we don't discuss it. And you know something your kids are watching? And I'm talking to the wrong people tonight. I really like to do that on Sunday. But the kids are watching. You are setting things for them to follow. You're telling them it's not important. They're watching. You don't want to raise your kids that way. Your actions, they speak more than what you say. Your kids know. They know it's not that important. I don't, I don't you know, it may shock you, but I don't sit my kids down and start reading Bible stories. I take opportunities to start dealing with them. I can talk to them for hours when they are ready to listen. And they are asking questions. I'll be talking. That's a good day for me. Because at that time, they are really open. That's how I train them. The rest of it, like I said, I don't want them to be PK kids. You know, PK, pastor's kids. Because I know what's happened to pastor's kids. And I, I figured, you know, you got to analyze things and say, what's really going on here? How do I avoid something like this? I pray for them and I believe God will take care of them. And then I want to avoid all that pressure on, on uh, pastor's kids. And then, then they, they rebel. But so they switch. Church is just part of our lives. So they follow us. And uh, now is have to tell the kid. Because they get up very early. They want to get there early. Sometimes they, they especially during the weekday, for practice, Omar drives me up the world. The mom too. Other times it's, they, they hold them back. But most of the time, especially when it's their youth service, they won't let me rest. <laughs> They want to go. So it's really important. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Iron sharpens iron. That's what the Bible says. So we need to do that. Spend time fellowshipping with God. Study the scriptures. Spend time studying. Make sure you know what God says. That's very important. 
and fellowship with God. You can't have a relationship with somebody. Uh, I don't consider praying a religious thing. It's just, that's part of my life. You understand what I'm saying? I can't talk to you about, well, I spend this hour praying. That's not, it doesn't matter to me. I can decide I don't have time to pray today. I got things that I need to do. And it could be for the whole day. I haven't spent time praying. It's no big deal to me. But I know to pray. It's just part of, part of our, it should be part of our Christian life. It don't make a religious thing out of it. But you have to set habits, you know. I pray from this time to this time. But you don't have to do that every day. Uh, oh, I didn't pray today. God is going to be angry. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I'm in a relationship, you know, with him. And that's important. When I don't see my kids, I miss them. But not just for one day. You know, I, after a while, I say, man, these kids are noisy. I send them to their uncle in Longview. And then after two days, I want my noise back. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's a relationship. See, I'm loved by the Father, but you can't go for months without ever spending time with your Father. You won't know who He is. You just won't. And you can't just be reading your Bible without praying. You still won't know who he is. Because he is a spirit. He is a being. And as you, you do this, he's talking to you. When you pray, you're talking to him. And he can speak to you from his word while you're spending time talking to him. And it's, it's amazing. When things go wrong with Christians, for some Christians, they run to God. Some of them, they just forget God trying to solve, solve the problems themselves. Until it gets beyond them, then they go back to God. That's not the way to do it. Spend time with God. Form a habit of doing it. So that when you're not doing it, you miss it. Amen? You feel something is not right after a while. And, it's something, and then something happens. Say, oh, I know what's going on. I haven't spent time with my father. I need to go back. And there is that hunger inside of you. Like David was, you know, had this strong hunger to be in the house of God. And he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. Of God. He wanted water, you know. <laughs> it is, we must have that because he was truly in relationship with God. And you can't have a strong relationship with God and don't feel that hunger inside of you if it's not there something is wrong after it's been for a while now i'm talking to the wrong crowd we should do it in sunday morning okay because i you know i used to tease a fellow um i don't know where from one of the guys i brought to pastor addison's church he will always want to come like on sunday so i call i named him i nicknamed him uh sunday morning christian and I called him that. He didn't like that before. He, he was in the choir and everything. Now, he couldn't sing at all, but he wanted to be in the choir. But that's just the way it is. Uh, slowly but surely, we're moving away from that. We really need to go back to that. That's when you can get to know him. You see, faith is not something that you can just pull out of yourself. It's not from you. It was a gift from God. 
Okay? It's not by yourself. God gave it to you. And God is the only one that can nourish that faith and make it to grow through his word as you give him the opportunity to do so. Now, if you have not been exercising your faith, spending time with God, praying in the Holy Ghost, you can read in Jude 1.20, he says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, so you are building up your faith, by praying in the Holy Ghost. You haven't done that for a long time. I can guarantee you when cancer comes your way, it's going to be very hard for you to believe. All you'll be doing is depending on every other, every person to believe in you, I mean to believe for you, or depend on the doctors. It's very difficult. You have to prepare yourself before you get there. I'm very aware of this. You, you, any part of God's word, you start soaking yourself into it, spending time with God. Let God teach you before the day of trouble comes. The Bible calls it the evil day. Before the evil day. Because there is an evil day for every one of us. And it's never a fun day. Job had his evil day. And if you are not ready for that evil day, Satan is just going to kill you. I mean, that's just the way he is. He's a murderer. You know that? Jesus called him a murderer. He is a murderer. He want, that's who he is. He wants to kill. And if you give him the opportunity, he'll destroy you. That's why before you came to Christ, it was no big deal. But after you gave your life to Christ, it's like troubles start coming your way. In other words, all of a sudden you became aware that there is a devil in the world. Now you were no big deal to him before you became a Christian. Now that you're a Christian, the best thing is go to the only one who can protect you, take care of you, and do it really good. And that's our God. So spend time with God. Spend time fellowshipping with God. Another thing that the, another device of the devil is ignorance. He wants you to be ignorant of a, of a certain promise of God. And if you know the promise, he wants to deceive you, let you, well, not for you exactly. So ignorance is one thing that he uses. That's why Paul said, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. That means if you are ignorant of his devices, if you are ignorant of God's word, if you are ignorant of his, God's promise for your life, if you haven't accepted it, Satan can do something in your life. He'll take you. So ignorance is one thing. You know you can grow in grace. You know you can also grow in peace. Did you know that peace and grace can be multiplied in your life? How do you do that? Second Peter 1 verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want grace multiplied in your life? Everyone has grace. But grace can be multiplied. Grace can be multiplied. We all start the same. When you get born again, we all start at the same level. But some people can multiply their grace. They can also multiply the amount of peace that they receive. You know, Jesus said, bring your Lord to me and enter into my rest. Let me give you rest. That's peace. 
And these things can be multiplied only according to the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't spend time trying to learn more about God and about Jesus, spending time in fellowship, proving his word, God said to prove him, he says prove him with the tithe, prove him in other areas. If you're not doing this or practicing, you're just like a man looking at himself in the mirror and you forget who you are when you turn away from the mirror and you're just flaky. It's just not going to work for you. You stay with it. Grace can be multiplied. You know what that means? When you have grace multiplied in your life, you can never suffer disgrace. That's what it is. You have disgrace in life and shame because there's no grace. Grace is God's favor upon your life. You can't suffer grace when there is grace upon your life. Not when you have multiplied grace. It may appear like there's grace coming to you, but God will change that. All things work together for good. To those, to them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I really don't have much time tonight. You know what the scripture says in John 8 verse 32, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It's as simple as that. Once you know the truth, Satan can keep you down. You're out of it. He, absolute, he knows he can't do anything about it anymore. It's over. The game is over. I've dealt with demons, you know. Sometimes you're trying to cast them out of the, devil, of the perfect person. And they will tell you, I'm not coming out. I mean, it happens. <laughs> they tell you very clearly through the person's mouth. And sometimes they tell you, I've, do you know how long I've been in this house? This is my house. I'm not coming out. And I said, well, the person says you, he doesn't want you anymore. You are going to come out. And guess what? They leave. Once you know the truth, there is no argument about it. I don't have to fight with them. I asked the person, do you want him to go? He says, yes. I said, well, now, devil, he said he doesn't want you. And you got to go. That's the law. It's the law of the spirit realm. You can't stay. And I will tell, we don't have to fight. I just keep reminding him, he doesn't want you. And in the name of Jesus, I have authority to get you out. And you know that. You know that. I have authority. Jesus, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. You know that. And that this person says, he doesn't want you. And you will leave. He's the Lord of the universe. God put this law in place and you're going to leave today. Guess what? They quietly leave. They're free. As simple as that. I don't have to go boast, I cast the devil out. No, it's just the law. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But if you are ignorant of the truth, you'll never be free. So we need to know the truth. And you spend time with God and with his word in fellowship with your fellow believers. I have meetings with my friend uh, Sherman sometime on... on, on uh, Tuesdays and sometimes Tim O'Brien would join us and I, I would discuss and all of that and I draw from they're talking and sharing with me and I'm thinking on what they're saying and I'm getting truth iron sharpens iron so we'll be in church to get our fellowship in and so that we're not ignorant of the enemy's work now another thing that we need to be aware of is unexpected difficulty how many of that that happened that's another device that Satan uses <laughs> to get you off your track of faith. 
you believe in God, you're up, you say, I'm doing good. And all of a sudden, something comes <laughs> like you never believe. And you say, oh my God, what do I do now? <laughs> hey, you guys are so quiet, like this never happened to you. Am I the only one that's human here? <laughs> that happens. And usually when it hits you, <laughs> for me, it's like, Jesus needs to ask me ten times, where is your faith, okay? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, oh Lord, how do I get out of this? And that's what the enemy does. And sometimes he wants to do it in such a big way to really get your attention and shake you. He did it to Job, remember? But Job knew his God. He said... The Lord gives. He didn't understand what was going on. But he said, the Lord gives. Forget this. No big deal. It just stands. That was his attitude. I still trust God. But notice what God, what Satan wanted. He said, he'll curse you to your faith. What was it? To your face. He was after his faith again. He was after his faith. Satan didn't care about his wealth. He, he wanted his faith. But Job knew his God. And he said, no. So these unexpected difficulties, have you had one recently? They really shake you. And you got, uh, for me, I spend a lot of time analyzing this new problem, okay? <laughs> this new problem, how am I going to deal with this? I haven't seen this before. We need to be aware of that. When all of a sudden, you're not expecting it, something happens and it's really bad, know where it's coming from. Okay? That will really help you. Once you know who is behind it, that's the time to go to God and don't complain. Tell him what is happening that he already knows. Okay? He knows what the enemy... He, read Isaiah 54. He says, They shall surely gather, but not by me. I didn't send them. Who is he talking about? The devils. They planned against your life. They gathered and they said, we're going to destroy his faith. Let's, who is going to do this? Read the scriptures. Have you read somewhere in the Old Testament where God wanted to do something to punish a king? And one demon said, he sent me, send me. I'll go as a lying spirit into his prophets. So he'll believe his prophets. And God said, okay. And that's how it happened. There's these forces still there. They're just to test you if you are truly working with God. They planned it. They're going to cause you so much trouble. And sometimes even those that are close to you. In those times. But that was going on. And they may speak negatively. Don't pay attention to it. And don't be bitter against them. They don't know. They are judging based on what they see. You understand? They are judging based on what they see. And what they know. And they are right. But you know better. So you don't go in there with them. You keep your head down and, and go to your God. All of us have been through this. Sometimes it's really painful when you hear it. But you need to go back to the Lord and start spending time and say, God, could you help me with this problem? Don't know where I came. I know you are in control. My future is bright. That's when to start going back to the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Read the whole psalm. 
beautiful song. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. So you tell him that, yes, I know you've already done this. Don't worry about it. God, you're a good God. You're taking care of me. He's going to be okay. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. God will take care of us. We don't care what you're saying. If we have to burn, we're ready to. But we know with our God, it's not probably never going to happen. But we won't listen to you. If I was Chedrach Meshach, I don't know what I would do. But I would be saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow this man to make this golden image and all of that? Why? You know he's going to do this. Now I have to burn. Now. <laughs> but you trust God and you thank him. And I went with this also. Fear and anxiety comes with that. So, and, and that's the real opening. I have been there. I'm not trying to be very sp- too spiritual. When these things come and you hear the news, you open the, the mail or you hear what's happened and you, that thing is brought to your attention, the first thing is fear and worry. What am I going to do? And you know, search through the scriptures. You know, even as in, in high school, you know, I notice every time somebody comes with Jesus with a real tough problem, the first thing Jesus says to the person, he says, do not fear. Fear not. He will always say that. And that really got my attention then, probably before I got saved. Why is he telling them that? Every time. Don't fear. Don't fear. And then sometimes he will add, just believe. Don't fear. He says, don't fear. Then he says, just believe. If you won't believe, then fear is going to come to you. But if you refuse to fear, God is going to do Let me show you one, one real good scripture here. And I've shared this before. You know the story of the man who came to Jesus. His daughter was dying. And he said to Jesus, please come. I know. Come and lay your hands on, on my daughter. I know if you lay your hand on my daughter... She'll be okay. And she is sick. Jesus said, except you see miracles. You, he says, look, I'm not going to. Please come. We will, I'm not going to. Like, just come with me. And so Jesus said, I'll come. And they were on the way. I'm sure the guy was, you know, oh, thank you. I found him. My trouble is over. My daughter is going to leave. And then all of a sudden on their way, here comes this woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember the story? They were going to the man's house. I don't know how close they were to the man's house. And, and I'm sure the guy, he really believed. He's heard about Jesus. He raised the dead. He's done all these great miracles. I got his attention now. My daughter is going to live. No trouble about this. He's coming with me. And then here comes this woman with the issue of blood and touched him. And then Jesus stopped walking. More time out, okay? Time was going. The daughter was sick at the point of death. And now this woman touched Jesus and Jesus stopped walking. You know, you, we think about the woman and Jesus, but think about what was going on in the father's mind. He's saying, who did this stuff now? <laughs> who is preventing him from getting to my daughter before she dies? And everybody was silent and Jesus would not move he said, his disciples said, hey, master, everyone is 
touching. I mean, everyone is doing this. Why are you asking? Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. He won't move. The guy is thinking, whoever did this, why don't you own up to it? And let's finish this business. My daughter is dying. Okay? And then Jesus had the time with the woman, spoke to the woman, and I'm sure the father, as that was concluding, the father was saying, oof, thank you, this is over. And he turned around and saw a face that he, he knew. Sad, walking towards him. To tell him his daughter was dead. And I'm sure he knew it. I would know it. Wouldn't you? There was a person that was not supposed to be in that crowd. And he saw the face walking towards him. And it's like, it's over. It's over. This woman with the issue of blood cost me. That's the way I think. If I had gotten him to my home, he didn't believe Jesus would raise the daughter. He believed Jesus would heal the daughter. But she was already dead. And so he turned around and the man said, Sir, why trouble the master? There is no need. Your daughter is already dead. Give up. And the first thing Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't fear. Even in the face of death, he says to you, Don't fear. Just believe. You know what that tells me? No matter what Satan is coming against you with, the final thing is death. There's nothing bigger you know, than that. No greater tragedy. The final thing is death. But even in the face of death, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Just believe. Once you are afraid, you have opened the door. Once you start wandering in your mind and you are anxious, you've opened the door for the enemy to take over. I said on Sunday, if you don't give yourself to God, You've already given yourself to Satan. When you, when you are afraid, faith is, fear is actually the reverse of faith. Faith, I've said here, is, um, I guess I gotta go there, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Well, it says, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Well, well faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And fear is the substance of things not hoped for. And the evidence of things seen. You can see it. You heard it. You can feel it. It gives you fear. If you fear, you attract whatever you're feeling. If you have faith, you can see it. You attract the same as well. So we don't have to be afraid. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10, Fear not. That's what God's saying. Don't fear. I am with you. Amen? All you need to know, no matter what's happening to you, just know that you really don't have to fear. God is with me. Don't be afraid. God said, I am with you. Be not dismayed. Don't start crying. It's okay to cry. Talk to people because we're humans. But go back to God. Don't allow yourself to be so dejected, 
so dismayed you are not able to function anymore because of the problem. Once you get yourself there, you have really opened the door to the enemy. God said, don't allow yourself to be dismayed by what's come, come, come at you at this time. Don't allow it. Do not fear. I am with you. If God is with you, there is no reason to be afraid. He said, don't allow yourself to be dismayed, for I am your God. I'll take care of the problem. I am your God, not a God. I am your God. I'll take care of you. So I know he is my father. He'll take care of me. Don't understand what's going on, but there is a God. Look at what he said. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. That is what God is saying. I will make your heart strong against the problem. So you are not afraid. You know, things will come. Strengthening is not now, I got more muscles. No, it's your heart. You are not care. You don't, you're careless about this thing. You believe God is with me. I'm not going to worry about this. I could care less about this situation. God is with me. So God said, I will strengthen you. Not only that, he says, yes, I will help you. Just don't be afraid. Don't allow yourself to be dismayed. I will help you. Do you believe that? That's the issue. Do we really believe that God will help? Because if you believe, then you shouldn't be afraid. And sometimes people will make you fret. Make you to be afraid. I'm taking too much time tonight. But, but we don't really need to be afraid. We really not. We just decide. I, if you can't. Just go to a quiet place where you have no one there and begin to yell, I am not afraid. God is with me. Just do that. I do it. I'm giving you a secret. I like to come in here because I got one is here and I yell till I feel good. The problem is not solved, but I can People think pastors don't have problems. They do have problems. A whole lot of them. So you yell out, God is with me. God, you said you help me. So help is on the way. Amen. Thank you, God. He said, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, God's righteous right hand. You know who is sitting right there? That Jesus. Amen. He will, he'll keep you up. You're not going down. You're going to go. You'll be standing. That's what he's saying. Just don't fear. Just don't be dismayed. Bible says be anxious for nothing. For what? For nothing. Nothing. We like to quote the, <laughs> we like to quote these scriptures until trouble comes. And you're quoting the scripture, but your heart, your mind is still anxious. That's why he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in God. He's going to take care of it. Another enemy that we have is time. When it's not happening in the time that we want it to happen, we become anxious, we become afraid. And that's the greatest trouble for anything that God wants to do if it's big. When it's not happening the way we expect it to happen, and it's not happening at the time we think it should happen, then the enemy comes in and takes our faith. And then we begin to, to worry and to call and to begin to question and say things that we shouldn't be saying. God has an appointed time. God has his own set time. 
I can wait for that time. I can wait for that time. So you got to wait for that time. And don't allow yourself to be discouraged. Never engage in complaining. Like I said on Sunday, stay away from people who complain all the time. It's never good. I tell you, reading the Old Testament, people who complained died with those that were complaining. That, you know, they joined with others and they all complained. And they all died at the same time. If you stay with those that are complaining, when their death, their destruction comes, he's going to swallow you up. So I stay away from them. I don't like people like that in church. <laughs> I've been a church member more than I've been a pastor. And I, I know them. I stay away from them. I don't go near them. It's just my, I don't hate them. But once they complain once or twice around me, when I see them coming this way, I go the other way. <laughs> I don't want to be around them. Before, because, before what? your heart is also defiled you're just like them and you're saying exactly the same thing and you never progress God doesn't like that thing at all I said that on Sunday so don't complain rather just thank God and uh, another thing the final thing and I'll close tonight I took my time I could took more six minutes final thing is never allow unforgiveness or bitterness that's one thing that will totally wipe you out of faith. Totally take your faith out. You can still go to church, but you will never feel him. He's not there. I think pastors are more in danger in this area than ministers. Not just pastors. Ministers are more in danger in this area. Because when you are working with, with people in a, a very intimate situation where you are dealing with their lives and all of that, it's going to be hurt. And if you don't recognize it, if you, if you are around pastors and they are talking, it won't be long before you say, but they are still in the ministry. They are still doing the same thing that they are doing. But what they may not know is that God may be very far from them. And the greatest deceit is sometimes the miracles are still, they are still taking place like it was before. And so they think, well, God is still doing the miracles, so I'm still okay. I'm okay. No, he's far but their life is completely dry. And God may allow it for a while. But before long, they're coming down. It's just not going to stay with that kind of thing for a long time. Never allow yourself to be bitter. You know, for, for me and my wife, uh, we, we didn't know, and I'm being very frank with you, I never knew anything much about pastor's work. I never thought I was going to be a pastor. But I did go through a lot of speaking when I was a new Christian. Didn't know why. I've shared it here. They put me in chains. My family really gave me a hard, a hard time as a new Christian. And some of them, they didn't even want anything to do with me. So I enjoyed all of that. He probably was training for what I have to go through today. And Angela has told me, if I knew what I know today, <laughs> you will have had a great fight. Because we have to go to bed, then she's actually, she's come to accept it. That's just is the way it is. So, you know, people come to church and they leave and all of that. They're excited one time and they leave. That's kind of painful because you think they're rejecting you. No, you're not rejecting me. I don't feel that way at all. I'm very comfortable with my relationship with God. So I don't worry about how people, so you have to look at it that way. It's not me they're rejecting. Their season with me is over. They need to be somewhere else. That's the way I've seen it to protect myself. I don't get bitter. They're my friends. They leave, that's fine. 
But if you're a pastor, that's what you deal with. You're dealing with people, you pour into them and all of that, and you develop this strong relationship, and then something happens, whatever it is, and they're gone. And if you don't have understanding, then you will grip, hold on to that, and then you're going down. So you just hold everything loosely. If it's of this world, I don't hold too tightly to it. Well, now for my wife, that's a family who I hold tightly to that. Amen? But other things, no, no. I just believe I have a season with this person. The season is over and you have to go. And when they're acting badly, in my view, and they may be thinking they're doing something right, but in my mind they're acting badly, and all of a sudden, what do you do? They need to go. Then I've believed all of that happened, not because they are bad people, okay? It's just because their season with me was over. And if that didn't happen, they'll continue to stay where God didn't want them to stay. Isn't that a good way to excuse that kind of problem? (laughs) So you don't have to deal with it. Because I don't want to get into that kind of bitterness thing. We have to have a relationship with God and with man. This is one of the greatest, in my mind, the greatest of all sin. If you are a believer. Once you have unforgiveness in your heart, your prayers are not going to be heard. Just like that. So your faith is not going to work. That's what it means. Stand up with me tonight. Help is on the way. Amen? No matter who you are praying for, don't hold back. Stay with your faith. It's not your timing. Amen? (laughs) Don't let go. Because you have a time frame. And don't let what's happening, even if it seems like you're going the other direction, let you're praying for somebody to be saved, and they were not, they were only smoking, now they are smoking marijuana, and you say, well, I thought I was praying for them to be saved, but now they've gone further down. I guess God must, no, it may be through that, God will open their eyes, and they're coming right back. You don't know. You don't know. You just have to trust God. He knows better. Amen? So whatever you're going through in your life, and I'm going through things, let's trust our God. He loves us. Amen? You want to trust God tonight? I want you to take that one thing that you want God to do for you and be very specific. Okay? You can't change a person. Sometimes we're trying to change people. You can't change them. He can. He can appear one night before them, and the next day they are totally transformed. Amen? Only, only God can do that. Amen? So why don't you ask God whatever that is tonight. As we close, say to God, God, I want you to do this one thing for me. And I'm not going to let go of faith. My faith, by your grace, will not fail in this matter. I'm going to trust you. No matter what happens, I trust in you. I will see the best come out of this situation. Because you are with me. You are my God. You have not forgotten me. You said you will help me, and I believe you. You will help me. You said you will strengthen me. I believe you, God. You will, and I'm being strengthened right now. And, Lord, I will never give up. I will not allow myself to be dismayed. I'm receiving help from heaven right now. Let God know that, that you trust him with all of your heart, that he loves you unconditionally, and you are his child. Father, I thank you for this time we spent in your presence. Your word says the, the words that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. 
I believe that word is going into our spirit today. And is being sown into our lives for fruit bearing. And in due season, we will reap the fruit. And we want to thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.